Hey friends, welcome back to the Digital Look Reads. I'm your host, Nicole, with my co-host, Savannah. And we're back again now for our fourth episode. So this podcast is essentially a podcast about books. So this year we decided to read one book every month. And this is our fourth book. And I can't believe that, you know, we're already on the fourth month. Um, we always say that each month, but it's so sustained and consistent. So it's, I, I have to say, like, I'm reading way more books now, I think, because I know that, you know, I'm going to have to discuss this with Savannah. So, um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I think the same. I haven't read as many books as I did last year around this time, but I feel like I'm being more intentional with my book reading. So for this month, we read a fiction book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Um, It's a glorious and immersive novel about two childhood friends, once estranged, who reunite as adults to create video games, finding an intimacy in digital worlds that eludes them in their real lives. I read about 80% of the book. How about you? Um, I've read 20% and the the 20% was actually in the last two days. To be fair, like I think I was, I I actually got hooked on it, but I just haven't had the time like this past month to really read it. But, um, but yeah, it's a very interesting book. I would say, I think I started reading maybe, maybe two, two or three weeks ago. And I definitely did get hooked. Like the first I can't remember if it was like I read because it's split into weird sections of the book. So there's chapters, but then there's also sections of like different timelines of their lives. And I think I read the first few chapters and I was like, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to enjoy it because um, it's about two video game designers. And I was like, am I going to be into it? But it was actually, yeah, like it hooks you really well. The the friendship and relationship that they hold with each other is really interesting. I think the setting, because it's in the 90s. Yeah, that was so interesting. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I was a baby in the 90s. So I grew up in the 90s. So I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I remember some of this. I mean, obviously, um, I think in the book, they were saying that the age range of these two characters, they were born in 1970s or something, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were a little bit older than us. But it was still pretty cool that, you know, they talk about they talk about the 90s in the way. Do you remember that part of the book where they're talking about um, how you would lose? It wasn't like instant communication. And so that like part where it's like you could lose someone and you wouldn't know like how to get in touch with them. I thought that was like such an interesting reminder of how things were back then of not like when you lose in touch with them or you lose contact with them you really have to play detective work and trying to connect again, right? Yeah, well, I, like, this isn't a book that we'll probably read, but I read um, a book by, I read your book by Seth Rogen, and he, I mean, it wasn't in the 90s, I think it was early 2000s, but it was still that mentality, like, they didn't have cell phones at the time, and he had a chapter of his book where he said that, like, he, he, him and his friend flew to Amsterdam and they were like, we'll meet at this building at this time on this day. And that was it. Like <laughs> they just had to assume that they were going to meet at that same place, same time, same day, and it would be fine. But it's like, if, if one of them didn't show up, like what was going to happen? Like, yeah, there's so much trust there right? of like, okay, I'm I, my friend's going to be there. And if yeah. not, 
yeah, we'll figure it out. That's wild. Yeah. I, it, it is like I, whenever I read books that come from like the nineties or early two thousands, it's always interesting. Like how much of a contrast there is now for like communication and technology and how we just engage with each other because yeah, like somebody could just like go missing and you, you might not know. I know. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So do you, do you have any other initial thoughts about the book when you first read it? So I, coming into this, I had no idea what this book was about. I didn't read any kind of description of what it is. I remember you talking about how it was about video game designers and how I might, you know, that might be something that like I'd be interested in. So that was my hook. I thought it had something to do with time travel because we were talking about time travel. And all this time I was like, is this about time travel? Is this about time travel? And I'm now 20% in the book and I have yet to see time travel. So I don't think that there's time travel, but maybe there is. I have no idea. Um... <laughs> just, just all the fiction books we read are about time travel. <laughs> I, I mean, the title is like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yeah. So it sounds like it could just be like, what what I don't know what the name of it is like a Groundhog Day situation. Yeah, exactly. I was anticipating something like that, so I was like, "When is the time travel coming?" In? I don't really understand. Um, that's why I left that comment in our story graph in the beginning because I was like, maybe it is like some kind of like time travel. I was like trying to parse it out because oh, there was a yeah. portion in the- <laughs> yeah. there was a portion in the and you're like, "Where where is that from?" And I'm like, in the very beginning, like right in the first few pages, <laughs> but. I thought that was really a, a, a cool take where um, the main character, Sam, was talking about um, seeing Sadie, I guess for like the other character. I, I guess this is like after a long break, he sees her and is like seeing someone and seeing them both like from their past self and who they are right now. It's sort of like time travel, right? Because it's like you you know them from their past, but then you also see them right right now it's like all of those different selves right there in front of you so I thought mm-hmm. that was cool yeah it um I feel like the definitely within like the first section of the book they play more with like the the perception or I guess like the reality of like I can't remember if it's just Sam, like from Sam's perspective in the beginning because like later on they switch mm-hmm. perspective more frequently but yeah, it is interesting to like have those moments where he's recognizing her and being like, oh, we were childhood best friends. But then seeing her again as an adult. Also, like, like so in the in the book, both characters are from uh, Southern California. And but then they both end up in New York, mm. um, I think. New York. I think it's New York, right? Because he's at MIT. Where's MIT. We're not American, so <laughs> I think it's near Boston. I northeastern, north in a northeastern state, somewhere in the East Coast, in America. <laughs> They're in two different parts of America. <laughs> so before they were in the West Coast, now they're in the East Coast. The Let's East just Coast. leave it at that. <laughs> Obviously, geography is not our our, our <laughs> point. Should have done it like a bit more research. Probably. Um, <laughs> but it's in like when we think about the 90s and like what we were just talking about the fact that like they lost communication, but then they both ended up in the same area. And so when he sees her for the first time, it's like 
yeah, he brings back all of these other selves that he remembers of her. And I don't know if you're at the section, but they, it there is a moment in the book where Sadie talks about the moment where they see each other again for the first time from her perspective. And it's uh, it's interesting how like there was a moment where they could have completely missed each other. Like it could have been a completely misconnection because she, there was like a few moments where she didn't turn around when he called her name. Mm-hmm. And like, I wonder what that would have ended up like if they would have ever seen each other again or like that could have been the end of their story. Mm-hmm. Do you ever wonder about that in terms of like misconnections in your life of people that have come in, come out? Because I mean, I'm guilty of sometimes I've seen someone and like I pretend I don't see them. And then... <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever wonder about that? And then you could have like the al- alternative reality could have been like you building an amazing friendship with this person. <laughs> I mean, I think, so, like, when I came to Toronto uh, for school, I wasn't expecting anybody, like, to see anybody from my high school, and it was weird, Um, it was weird when there was somebody from my grade, from my graduating class in high school, who lived on the same floor in my dorm as me, and I didn't, like, we didn't talk to each other at all, really, during high school, (laughs) Like we saw each other in the hallways. I'm I'm sure we had classes together, mm-hmm. but that was like a weird moment of like, oh, like you're back in my life and I didn't expect it. Yeah, we didn't really develop a friendship. Like we were friendly, like we would say hi to each other. Uh, but she definitely, uh, like I don't know. When you live in a dorm, it kind of gets clicky. Yeah, and so like whoever you hang out with that first weekend when you move in is sort of like that's your buddy group, and so we just had different buddy groups um I don't know what it would have been like if we had developed a friendship but I also like I don't think I ever really vibed with her in high school so I think it was similar in college where I was just like nah but (laughs) (laughs) but in in this book Sadie and Sam the two main characters like they had a really strong foundational friendship Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately, like, Sadie kind of, I don't know, like, what do you think? So, um, this is spoilers, but Sadie, when Sadie and Sam met, they met in a hospital because Sam had foot surgery. He was having issues with his foot because he had been in a car accident. And um, Sadie was at the hospital because her sister was going through uh, chemotherapy, I think, leukemia. And they met, they started playing games together, and... uh but Sadie ended up using her time with Sam and tracking the hours to go towards uh, community service. Mm-hmm. And the reason why their friendship dissolves is because Sam finds out and um, it's a really big tension point. So I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know how to feel when I read that because I was like, on one hand, it sucks that she didn't tell him. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, she logged like over 800 hours. Yeah. So it's like way more than you would actually need for community service, right? Yeah. 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 I think it was the same for me. I I think like seeing that from a more like adult perspective, I guess, mm-hmm. I can see how it was it was like two individuals that 
um, didn't communicate properly, maybe. I mean, I could get it from... I mean, they're kids. Right, they're only kids. They're like, so, I mean... They're like can't nine. Ex- <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So you can't expect too much um, to really understand, like, the intricacies and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, like, if I see it from, like, Sam's perspective, right, I mean, you... He has, like, this perspective that only the people that stay in his life are those that... Um, are ob- obligated to be with him, right? And there's this one friend that becomes a really good friend and then he realizes that the one thing that he has always believed about himself of like people um, being close to him because they're obligated to be with him, it's actually true, right? So that's kind of like a worst case scenario kind of thing. So that's that's a little bit tough. I, I get why he would react that way. And then um, for Sadie's point of view, I mean... Yeah, I'm not really, I, I'm not entirely sure. Like, I guess like sometimes you don't want to, because you don't want to, you know what the other person might, how they might react. And then so you delay it. But then the more you, that you delay it, then it becomes even harder to break it, right? It's like those like soap operas where it's like, yeah. why didn't you just tell me in the beginning? But you're like, but because that's how you're going to react. <laughs> <laughs> what was your thoughts about it? I... I felt so conflicted because, yeah, I I feel like I picked up on the fact that, like, Sadie felt a responsibility of um, recognizing that, like, Sam was improving because she was hanging out with him. And, like, that, like, her initial conversations with, like, doctors and nurses after their first exchange, they were like, how were you able to get him talking? Because there was, like, this whole thing where he had been in hospital and he was just, like, mute. He he was, I'm assuming, having some sort of, like, PTSD. And so he just wasn't talking. I mean, like, he had gone through some, like, something really traumatic. And as a kid, I think it's understandable that he was only finding, like, solace within games and, like, different worlds. But then Sadie was able to bring him out of that. And they really built, like, a foundational friendship so I feel like for her again yeah she it had to I feel like she probably had a moment where she was like oh I shouldn't be doing this uh and I'm gonna fuck this up but I'm going to hold on to it for as long as possible yeah um because yeah it's like that you you don't want that to ever end but you know it's going to mm-hmm. um and yeah like I was like nine ten year olds like (laughs) i don't think they probably had the emotional capability to really understand it yeah for sure (laughs) um and i think i mean you probably aren't in this section so i won't try to spoil it too much but like they do discuss it um and it has like a positive resolution Mm -hmm. where they as adults are like oh yeah i think i passed that like where they start like talking to each other Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah yeah. i passed that point Yeah. yeah and they like acknowledge it and they're like that was shitty, but they were like, it made sense for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Sam was able to really rectify that, like, like that point of like, well, she put in 800 hours. Yeah. And so, you know, for the most part, like, unless you're, you absolutely love something, you don't put that much time and effort into cultivating it. So. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think... Like, in this book, it's really nice seeing, like, the perspective of their friendships as as kids and, like, how 
they just really vibed with each other like so well and it was I don't know I feel like it, we'll, we'll probably talk about this a bit but like sometimes you just meet somebody in your life and it's just like so easy and you're just like um oh there was something I shared with you it was like a platonic soulmate oh yes where yeah. it's like you you're like like oh yeah like this is my person yeah uh, and I feel like that was very much the vibe for them and so after the estrangement when they started becoming friends again I feel like it was very easy for them to reconnect even though there was like a lot of stuff left unsaid mm-hmm. so what did you think about like how they were um like energetically like vibing and and how their friendship sort of reblossomed I really like that part because I think that's a yeah I think we've talked about it a lot before in terms of how you just like when you meet people sometimes you just really click with them like there's a certain vibe whether that's like personality wise or the way that they they get your experiences or your history or even your jokes and it's it's like what you said right it's easy it's not to say that there's never any kind of disagreements or arguments but it's it's almost like you bounce back to that like center point much easier than if it's like someone that you're you, you, it takes more effort to do so mm-hmm. so i definitely felt like the same with their characters where both of them have such a love for for like games and video games and like um just like the way that they see the world that um it was really nice to see that um friendship kind of like come back together because it's almost like those like like the the friendship that they had when they were kids it was like abruptly cut short and then it never had like it never blossomed in the way that it could have and then see it blossom again as an adult it kind of makes me think okay like it's like that whole concept of you know our friendships could be in like hiatus or they could just be in hibernation mode Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't come back in your life again yeah yeah well yeah because especially in the book like sam i think he starts off saying like that sadie was his enemy like he (laughs) like when he sees her again as an adult yes yeah that was like the narrative that he told himself after after their friendship sort of dissolved right and that time like during high school when he would see her on the off chance he was like oh that's my enemy sadie green and so the fact that like even though he had that perspective of like she's my enemy and i don't care for her and we're never going to be friends he still was the one to be like i'm going to take a leap of faith and hope that we can become friends Mm -hmm. um and he also finds her during like a really rough period in her life where she was like going through depression yeah um and not that like I don't know like I guess he kind of pulled her out of it but it was like he did it in a way that it was like fixated on like I'm like I'm not here to help you Mm -hmm. but I want to do this thing with you Mm -hmm. and that was really interesting I think so too and I think there's that part I think that whole segment of um so like in the book Sadie um has this like really dark period and I think Sam meets meets her um, and sees that she's in this like zone and then he asks like his one friend oh like what what should I do like I don't really know like I know that he's she's going through something but I don't really know what to do and I love the point um 
that his friend made where he was basically saying, well, think of, because back in the 90s, Tamagotchis are like all the rave. I had one. Too. Oh, yeah. Me so too, cool. but it, I, I think I killed it after oh, no. a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I don't think like mine lived for long either. Um, but um, the friend was basically saying like, treat your friend like a Tamagotchi, like you would, you know, kind of well i i don't actually how does that relate but i think it's like about like taking care of yourself right well and i think like he he showed up i'm pretty sure in the book like he showed up every day and i I feel like with tamagotchis you had to like you had to do a certain amount of things with them every day right to to make sure that they were like living (laughs) (laughs) and i love that like i think sometimes we like thinking about it from both perspectives right when sometimes when you're in like that dark zone um you often feel very isolated or you I think I saw something like on Instagram where it was like when you feel really down all you want to do is isolate and like remove yourself from like all connections or whatever and it becomes this like very like you know self-protective thing of you don't you don't want to connect with people right but I think it's 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 like one of the ways that like you can get out of that is really just having people around you that doesn't don't really need to expect anything from you but they just show up because it's almost like you're battling your internal thoughts of like nobody you like I'm so alone in all of this right but if Mm -hmm. there's someone that keeps showing up even if they don't expect anything they're just I'm just here here's some food or I'm just here whatever and even if they're like annoying or whatever Mm -hmm. it's kind of challenging your thoughts that you're alone right it's like oh wait there is someone here that keeps showing up even though I said go away right yeah 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 it was um I really liked how they portrayed those moments because yeah that cycle of like loneliness and isolation and like when you are going through a best like a depressive period where you sort of shut everything out and so the fact that he even though he didn't know what to do and he relied on on their friend Marks at the time. Um, like, yeah, he, he like he literally did like I don't want to say the bare minimum, but he did the most basic thing yeah. that you could do in that moment. And I think, yeah, she was annoyed and frustrated, but it did eventually get her going. Mm-hmm. Um, and she opened up to him in a way that I think was like very it like mirrored their relationship because it was like when he was in hospital and he didn't have any friends or anybody to rely upon really and he was isolated and she would she was showing up every day for him Mm -hmm. and so it was like a really nice mirror of like he was able to sort of do that for her Mm -hmm. um i did want to touch a point like upon a point that you had made earlier before we started recording um where like there is a moment in a book where he talks about how he thought that there was always going to be like a lot of Sadie Greens in the world, and oh, yeah. he realizes that it's just her. So, mm-hmm. um, did you want to say more about that? Oh, um, I think. Well, I think for me that that segment was almost like this perception that you know, okay, like I'll make a friend, and then you know let's say like you know things fall apart or whatever and you have like this perception of well well there are other people like them like there are other Mm -hmm. people that like you vibe with and oftentimes sometimes it's not true like sometimes it's like you know like you know not as much people as you would think like there's eight eight billion probably more people 
um, in this world, but it's not like, like I don't meet a lot of people that have similar vibes as me. Mm-hmm. And so when I meet them, I'm like, you really know, cause you're like, oh my gosh, the first five seconds, it's just like, ah, <laughs> kind of thing, right? And then like you meet other people that is just like, you're trying your best and it's like mm. just hitting the mark uh, or not like missing the mark. And yeah. so it's, I think it's that realization of when you meet people that you really vibe with, it's it's like what you were saying before. It's like, take that leap of just like, hey, or whatever, like whatever leap you, you have, because you never know like if you're gonna meet the same types of people I mean obviously you put yourself out there to have more chances of those but it's not as many as you would think yeah yeah I feel like as um I feel like as adults it's it's not rare I want to say because I feel like it it happens I mean I feel like it happens more than like once in a blue moon sort of thing. But I feel like there has to be a moment where you're both like ready to like meet each other. Yes. It's like a weird, <laughs> it's it's a weird like thing to describe because it's like the amount of times that I've uh, like wanted to be friends with somebody and then it's like you go out for a coffee or whatever and you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> what to talk about yeah at all yeah um and then like today like I had I had uh like a coffee date with somebody and I was kind of going into it not dreading it but being like I don't know if I'm gonna have like any questions and like I don't know how to be social <laughs> anymore <laughs> just be the pandemic right we, we have um, forgotten I, well, how to socialize honestly it's like sometimes I'm like I don't know because of zoom it's like I'm so used to looking at myself when I'm talking that it's I <laughs> I think when I'm talking to people in real life I'm like how how frequently do I have to look at them in their eyes oh my gosh <laughs> I have the same problem where sometimes I'm I get so self-aware that I'm like wait am I looking at one eye both eyes middle eyebrow am I looking left yeah. right <laughs> or like sometimes I'm <laughs> I do this thing um and I think it's probably because like when I'm on zoom like if I'm like in my office and I'm on zoom like I'm not always looking at the camera like I'm looking down like on the screen uh and so when I'm with people in person <laughs> it's like I feel like I'll look at them but then I'll start talking and then like my drift will <laughs> or my gaze will drift and then I'll be like looking at like a plant and talking to it <laughs> And then I realize halfway through and I'm like, oh my God, why did I? <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it does. Um, but to, to get back to my point, but like when I, you know, I was like kind of dreading this, this meeting with this person, but then in like, it turned into a, t- like a two hour conversation. It was a really good chat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there was a, a moment, I think halfway through where I was like, oh, this is so easy. Yeah. And it's, um it's interesting when it's really easy with somebody for the first time yeah. versus like when you're like I really like this person I really want to try oh my gosh to yeah. be their friend and it yeah like you're hitting a wall and it's just like you're kind of just awkward yeah I mean absolutely I have like two examples of that of I mean like last week I was just like telling you this 
I don't oh, think yeah, this yeah. person would be listening um, because they don't know that I have a podcast. But but yeah, like I I met this person and uh, as we were walking to the subway, um, I was like throwing. It's it's like a give and take, right? When you meet someone for the first time, you're trying to find that common ground. So it seemed like we had something like in common, like we have a few things in common. But it was like sometimes like when I would throw like a topic or idea, um, like their response was just like in the negative form of like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm like, oh, and it almost deflates you. And it was honestly, I think it, we talked maybe like 15, 20 minutes, like just going to the subway. But those 20 minutes felt like one of the longest, like 20 minutes of my life. Because oh, I was just yeah. like, oh. And then I was like, oh, should I be like, okay, well, I'm just not going to be. And we had like the same route back home. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. Oh. You're like, bye. And then you're walking the same direction. <laughs> like, no. Nah. So, yeah. So that was like, that was the moment where it was like, I mean, I think if I was younger, I would have taken that more personally and been like, oh, oh yeah. Nicole, like what, you know, like you you don't know how to socialize, like people don't like you or whatever. Um, but I think now it's like what we're talking about before where it's like, sometimes it's just a vibe, right? And it's like, yeah. Like one example that I had of like a, a good vibe was um, one of in my last job, the very first moment I met this individual, I, I think you know who I'm talking about, but like her vibe was like just my vibe, like mm-hmm. just like so optimistic and so energy filled. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I feel like it, it's like this weird like is it like you're matching wavelengths yeah, like and it's such a weird thing right it's like how does that you can feel it where it's yeah. like you're speaking my language even I feel like the intonation of the way her voice does I'm like how how does that how does that I mean we still have we haven't met yet for coffee afterwards it's like is that darn thing with schedules but oh my god yeah <laughs> but it's so funny like on my last day I think I told you that story right like I was just like, um, like, do you want to <laughs> do you want to keep in touch after? And then she's like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so hard as like you know as an adult to like it's so much easier when you're a kid to be like, okay, so you're my friend now, and to be an adult to be like, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> want to be my friend? <laughs> please say yes <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> I just had like the visual of like when you're in elementary school and you make those notes and you're like do you want to hang out oh my god check yes, yes, yes. or no or maybe <laughs> and I, did we take it personally when people said no I don't think so right I can't remember I feel like I mean I probably took it personally <laughs> okay <laughs> but it was probably more because it was like when you really like somebody oh, yeah. and you're like, I really want to be this person's friend. And then yes. they're like, no. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I feel like it's so scary now as an adult to like put yourself out there and try to make friends mm-hmm. because it's like on, on one hand, there's an opportunity where like they're going to meet your vibe yes. and it's going to be great. But then it's like always awkward when you're like, oh, I put this person sort of, like, on a pedestal in my yeah. mind. Go out for coffee or you meet up with them. And then it's just, like, 
it just doesn't work and then you're stuck for like 15 minutes like walking oh back to yes, the subway or, or whatever and you're just like this is the worst i know and well, i hate it i think like that's the the beauty of sam and sadie's friendship right and what you were saying before where i don't think they started putting each other on a pedestal there was no expectation in the beginning right i think like the very first instance they meet Sam is like playing the game really intently and doesn't even like oh, right, yeah. recognize that like or in Sadie's point of view like doesn't even like acknowledge that she's there and then he's just like do you want to finish this game and it's like totally like <laughs> oh no, yeah <laughs> no sense of like hey like that's true yeah I forgot about that that it was like such a casual interaction and also it was like I'm sure because it was like a ch- like the children's section of the hospital so he probably had that interaction a few times where mm-hmm. it was just like, do you want to finish this? Mm-hmm. Like, I've already played it a million times. Right. Um, but I think, like, and then, but I think afterwards when she started showing up more, mm-hmm. I think that's when he started having an expectation of, like, this is going to be a great friendship. Right. And then when his, like, it kind of broke his heart when he found out that. Right. <laughs> like, not that she had the these, like, this veiled reason to hang out with them but it, it was just like heartbreaking for him to go through that process of like realizing that she was also kind of getting these hours behind his back sort of thing yeah for sure yeah so I think just because you've worked in this area for a bit so what are your thoughts like about like the fact that they play video games and then they're gonna like they're designing video games how was your experience with like that been I thought that was really cool. That was really interesting. It was very reminiscent of like when I was in it for a hot second. I wasn't in it for a, a long time, probably like maybe just like a year or so. Um, but it's 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 very much like the vibe of like so when I was living in Montreal, there's a really big indie like game development scene there. I mean, obviously there's also like a lot of like um triple A developers and that's why there's like a big scene, but a lot of people come into making games because they love playing video games right and that kind of like I I, I thought like the exchange that um Sadie had with her professor slash spoilers slash lover (laughs) and all of that like um like I think they were like discussing how they don't like shooter games and how it's like I don't know like they wanted it they wanted to push like the like Sadie is more for like the art form whereas like mm-hmm. Sam is really more about like I think popularity or something like that right yeah. um and I think that was such an interesting take because I think um like I saw that a lot with people like making games where there's like that oh I just really want to make something fun and then there's like you know these other like groups of people and I think I was like part of that other like <laughs> perspective kind where it's almost like you see games as this it it's almost like this interaction that you have with an audience right and it's more of like this artistic or philosophical way of like how can we push people to think in like a different way and and it's not to say like either or is like the right or wrong like you can see games as a way of fun and escapism right and you can also see it as a way like to push your mind or whatever right Mm -hmm. so I thought that was really fascinating I thought like their conversations about that was was cool because I've definitely like I remember like having conversations about like you know like this is just like a button we need to figure out like how um 
you know, how this relates with, like, having the button feel more meaningful to the gameplay. And, like, all those, like, philosophical things that people mm. think about. And, like, before I got into, like, that scene, I didn't even think about, I didn't think that people would think about that. I'm like, wow, oh, you're really yeah. thinking about, like, how that button would <laughs> would make people feel. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that was really wild. That was really cool. Um, what did you think about it? I mean, I don't really, like, I'm not, I don't game frequently. Like, I have my my usual go-tos where I'm, like, I like cozy games. I like games that are, like, Animal Crossing where you don't have to do much and you're just sort of, like, living your life. I would play that tasks. still games, though. Game, that is a form of gaming. <laughs> it, it, I mean, yeah, it is gaming. I just, I, I don't know, I, I, maybe it's just because I'm, like, I grew up with brothers and so whenever they would play games like it was gaming and I didn't have consoles or like really have an opportunity to game unless it was like on the off chance that my cousins let me play like Spyro or (laughs) whatever but then I would just do exploration and so Mm -hmm. they would do like the storyline and so I never knew what was really happening and I was just like collecting (laughs) gems (laughs) love that so I, I don't ever like I think coming from that perspective like I've never really thought about the sort of like uh emotional arcs or the storyline or like what the intention and purpose and action of the game is trying to to like expand into somebody's mind Mm -hmm. so it was really interesting I guess coming from like like really like zero perspective of like what the gaming industry is and seeing how they like when Sadie like the only reason why they decide to make a game together is because sam plays like what two two of her games that she had built out for class and he was able to recognize that she had um these really smart philosophical stories that she wanted to tell and the gameplay was just really interesting Mm -hmm. um and he sort of brought like a more more of like a story lens to it of like let's make this a story and have it be really impactful. Yeah. Um, And they were like very specific, like, um, so this is like spoilers, but they make a game called Ikigo Mm -hmm. and it follows this young child as like they get lost in sea and they have to make their way back to their home. Uh, And in like the story, they were very purposeful of like not having it being like gender conforming and, really allowing it to like come from like this child's perspective of like what this adventure would be and I found that like really interesting that they would spend so much time like thinking and theorizing Mm -hmm. and really fixating on you know how is how is this character going to go through the story but then how are they also going to impact the player Mm -hmm. um yeah so I like I really enjoy I feel like it was like this book has been a really good like introductory intro like into like game design concepts yeah. and, and how those conversations are and also like the fact that I mean it's like like it's a good reminder of like this is the 90s and she's building yeah. she's trying to build out like a software engine oh, gosh. for this yeah. and I'm like how that's like, so amazing I mean like nowadays like you can use like software like there's something called unity which is like wait like you don't have to build like an engine but i mean some people do so it's like it's amazing that she's even able to do that in the 90s um so she must have been like super super 
talented. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like, I think she goes to MIT. Mm, yes. Um, so she, and she's a woman, so she's already coming across like a lot of barriers, like not only going to that school, but also entering into probably that specific program. I think yeah. she mentions that there's like, there was only one other woman Oh yeah. in the class. Oh. And then they kind of had like conflict, which I, I was like, that sucks. Like, I hate that there's like, it's like female against female sort of perspective of like, we can't be friends in this industry mm, when mm-hmm. it's like that. I feel like that's all just be friends. I know. Right? <laughs> but I, I, I do see like just how I'm sure it's like very, it's, it's hard to break into the industry. And so you want to keep your, I guess, cards close to yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I- Did you have like, when you were making games, did you have any, like, was it more collaborative or was it like, we have to be the best at like this type of it's, thing? Or... It's very interesting because like I was part of like a group that they were, um, I got into the scene because there was like a group in Montreal that was like, they, they had like a program for non-game designers and it was like mm. a six-week program or something where um, you get to make your first game. And so this group was very, very friendly and welcoming um and it's almost like they help it it was like having a community around you um that help kind of uh, like support or like mask the sometimes not really great side of like that industry where we definitely like there were like some instances where when we've gone to like conferences or you know places where there were it's very male dominated where they would like come up to you and like just kind of either like mansplain something or just like not take you seriously. So I think there's definitely that like in the industry and it's still like an ongoing thing, but I think there's a lot more, there's a lot more folks there that um, have really been trying to change that. So I'm hopeful that it's, you know, it's different now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, with some of the content that I follow online, I feel like, not only gameplay, but I feel like characters and like stories from games are becoming more diverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, at least that's or like maybe it's just because I like I I would I tend to follow or watch videos when it's like I'm a more diverse storytelling versus just like a shooter oh where it's God. like a white guy yes. killing zombies or yeah. whatever. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it's, it's very interesting. It's, I think the book touched upon that too, right? It's like a lot of people choose like to make like shooters or like all of these other games is because it is popular. And it's also like that formula has been, it's almost been, there's like a, there's a formula that people can follow. And then you kind of just like have to either like add like a different story or like a different mechanic but like that main formula is already there, right? So that's like almost like I I don't know. I would say like it's almost easier to follow that like well trodden path versus like really going out there and trying something experimental, which could mm-hmm. fail and no, it couldn't find an audience, right? And I think that's like one of like you know like a bit demoralizing if you spend so much of your time creating something and then it like falls flat, right? So. It's like that that balance that you have as a creative person of like, will I spend um, my resources and my time on something that might actually um, give me 
you know success or give me like more like more people might be able to play it or would you follow like what you feel is like a good thing or like what is true to you but it might not get as much commercial success or it might not resonate with people so that's always like a yeah it's a hard thing to balance yeah I feel I mean yeah I feel like that everyone has that thing where you're like do I create this thing for everyone or do I create this for myself yes and hope that like the authentic nature of it like yeah resonates but it's always scary because it's like what if nobody oh my gosh (laughs) I know well I have two notes on that I think one thing is that like one of my friends who's still I mean like they say that like the game industry burns out so many people that five years is actually like if you're five years in the industry you're actually like like a senior because there's not a lot of people like 30 years yeah that's like so many so if you're like 30 years in the industry like you're you're super 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 uh because so many people leave the industry because it's like there's so much like um i forget the word but like they they overwork themselves so much right but they were saying like um you know they put so much of their heart and soul to the game and like they put so much effort but a lot of uh players don't realize that effort and they just complain incessantly about like what they've just poured their heart and soul in and so that can be demoralizing um but then my second point too is like sometimes when you make something personal it can be very universal and so like you know maybe sure maybe like that game might flop but at least you stay true to yourself and then who knows like maybe a second iteration of it or third iteration of it or whatever like it could catch you know it could resonate with other people but I for me as like an artist I feel like there is a certain sense of like you gotta follow what is like your your like north star or whatever mm-hmm. in there because like if you don't say it who else will right you have your own unique experience that might be that might resonate with others yeah yeah and I'm sure like it's probably demoralizing if you are working on like a game or project or whatever where you actually don't have your heart in it and you're just like well I'm gonna try to make as much money as possible yeah because I feel like eventually your audience will start to recognize that like oh this is just the same gameplay it just they had a different mechanic as you said or like you know it's a woman instead of like a man playing yeah. a shooter yeah, yeah. Like, like it's it's like there's no it's surface level there's no right. actual like emotional pull into it yeah yeah so switching up a little bit I was curious about what you thought in terms of like the format of how the book went because well for me I thought it was a try and traveling book and then I realized quickly <laughs> it wasn't um but I noticed that they were switching time periods every so often. Like it, it was like flashbacking to, and there were moments where I wasn't even sure. I'm like, wait, are they talking about the present or are they talking about the past? And then it, oh, it yeah. was all I, like, I'm listening to it like through an audiobook, so it's almost like trying to really be present because then I can't just like, okay, they're like, it's like such a linear thing. Like it kept like moving. It was like the circular thing, but it was. It worked in my, in like, from my perspective, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, and that continues on throughout the book. I feel like it gets a little bit easier, um, but definitely in the beginning when, like, like, when Sam's switching from, like, childhood to present, and, like, he, and, like, there's a moment where he, um, 
he's like talking about like he's in the present moment as an adult talking about his childhood and but he's like using present tense in it and so it's like very like like what is going on um and i think sadie does the same too because there's like a portion when she first gets introduced where they're like being interviewed and she's Mm. speaking about yeah like sam and it you're like I know because like I've been reading it uh, just as, with an ear, e-reader and uh, so I feel like I was able to catch it like when it was changing mm. time periods a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it's, it's an interesting concept to see that done because I feel like for the most part, a lot of like fiction books are done in a very linear way mm-hmm. of like, you know, this is them in childhood, this is them in college, this is them as like adults and and whatnot in this book jumps it quite frequently i don't think um like where i'm at they they don't do it as much but definitely from the perspective of like when they jump from childhood to adulthood and they're sort of talking about the same themes you start to recognize like where the influences are um and i also like really enjoyed when it was like you would have sam's perspective on a situation and then you like as a child and then as an adult and then it would flip and you would get like Sadie's perspective as like a kid and as an adult like you know the moment where like they see each other for the first time as adults and he's calling out to her and she's not like she can turn around but she's also like or I could just continue walking and it's like there's moments in in the story where you're like there are like these pivotal pieces where they have to make a decision and you're seeing it kind of from like all perspective, which is really like it's a really interesting technique in in telling the story. And I thought it was really like I feel like it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. that because then you you understand where um, where that miscommunication could be coming from, and also what motivates them in in terms of like doing certain actions. So yeah, I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, like, I haven't finished the book completely. And I don't know if this author has written other books, but um, I feel like it's a completely unique story that I haven't really read, like, pre- previously, like, that I can think of off the top of my head. Like, it's, their characters are really unique, and the, yeah, how how they write this, this book is really good. And I mean, like, the only reason why I recommended it was because it was on TikTok and everyone's <laughs> everyone is talking about it. <laughs> yeah. It's actually been like um what was it? I was like on Instagram yesterday and Kobo there was like a post that they did and it was of the book oh, they were yeah, like what? you can read it on Kobo. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter too like after you had selected it and I'm like, "Oh, cool. That is that book." Um before we before we wrap this up, I did have like one final question um, and I'm trying to be mindful of like where you're at in the book, but I feel like there is a bit of like unrequited love on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you pick up on that or what are your thoughts? When it comes to the unrequited love, I mean, I, I, I've only read 20%, so I'm not sure what subsequent uh uh, like what the subsequent chapters will be but I did sense that Sam might like her more than she likes him but yeah it, it's yeah I'd be interested to see how that kind of like plays out like what did you think without spoiling I guess 
I feel like um, it's an interesting. It's I feel like it's like an like one of those predicaments that always happens in like male female friendships, like that. I don't know. I feel like without fail, somebody's gonna catch feelings, and so um, I think with like. I think they both love each other, but yeah, I definitely like get the vibes that like as a kid, Sam was more into Sadie. Well, actually, I don't know. I feel like they were both into each other, but um, I feel like there's something about Sam and how he approaches Sadie and keeps going that he's like, and like when he talks about how like he thought that there was going to be a lot of Sadie Greens in the world and then he realizes that there wasn't. I think that's like a pivotal moment in his mind of like, I need to cherish this person and this friendship. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I feel like when you're a college student and you're isolated and alone and you're trying to, like, find people and you realize that, like, oh, I could get this person back in my life, mm-hmm. I feel like it feels more intense. And I think that's where, like, the potential of, like, unrequited love mm. comes from. Yeah, and I think that plays into what you were saying before around putting people in pedestals, right? Where if you have someone that you've been, like, in Sam's case, like, he's been best friends with Sadie for, like, throughout their childhood. And then, like, coming back again, there's, like, that vibe. I would understand, like, how he would – and I'm just, like, guessing that there is that unrequited love. But um, you would – it's hard, right, to – Going back to, I, I don't know if you ever watch um, Perfect Match, <laughs> the reality TV show on Netflix. I, I haven't, but I probably, I should. It is such a, yeah, it's such a reality, it's like a junk food TV, <laughs> but it's it's very interesting where, like, to understand, I think there's a, this one character, um, or not a character, a, a person that, like, when you don't know if, like, you love the person because you're attracted to them or if it's just like what you're saying before was like platonic love and it's mm-hmm. like that hard differentiation right because you know those two things can have sort of similar feels in terms of like intimacy and opening up and vulnerability but it's like sometimes i guess when when you're in a situation like Sam is where you're isolated or whatever um you can kind of might perceive like a friendship that you're really really close with and put that in a pedestal and be like, okay, this is actually love or, or maybe, you know, he was really in love and it's just, it wasn't, um, you know, brought back together. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you'll find out. Yeah. So are you going to finish the book? I think I absolutely would. Like I, uh, I just, I hadn't had time this month to read. Um, but it, like the last two days I was like listening to it on my audiobook and I love, love, love the discussions on like game design and all of their like philosophical questions and and even like when they're talking about like their creative process and like the whole thing around like uh, appropriation and all of that stuff. I think that's like very like those are very interesting things to think about as a creator to be like, how how can I be respectful when I am inspired by other people's cultures or by other people's ideas. And um, I just think that it seems like a really interesting book that dives into friendships, but also the creative process of making something. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah. 
Well, I think, yeah, I'm close to, like, 80%. Um, so I'm planning to finish it. Uh, pro- hopefully, like, this weekend I'll, I'll have it done. Um, and I'm looking forward to finishing it, but I'm also, like, I don't know. I hate, like, these books are so intense sometimes, and you fall in love with the characters. I just hate it when it, like, has to end. And so <laughs> I know I'm, I'm definitely, like, slowing down, like, how fast I'm reading it because I'm like I don't want I don't want to like say goodbye Mm -hmm. oh yeah I totally feel that and I forget um because I've been reading a lot of nonfiction books or I've read a lot of nonfiction books in the last few years and it's only like this year actually like doing this podcast where I've been like in one sense you forced me to read uh fiction books (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) thank you but I you're also forcing me to read (laughs) nonfiction you're welcome um but it I forget how much more that you can you know how you fall into the world of these characters in fiction books and a well-written book could really it's almost like you know these characters like they're your friends and like that feeling that you're talking about of like oh I don't want to say goodbye it's you feel that like grief when a book ends because you're like oh well this story is done unless the author writes more. And I think you've talked talk to me about that, about like many books where you're like, I don't think there's more, but I hope that there's more, but you know, what what now? Yeah. So I think it's sad when you have to leave characters behind and a world behind, but mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely one of the pluses, I guess, of like reading fiction books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a, it's a good sign when like you're reading a book and you're like, I don't want this to finish because I absolutely love these characters and uh without fail like when that happens I'm always like crying and I'm just like yeah you go through like a grief process of like I spent so much time like in this world with these characters and now I have to say goodbye unless I reread it um (laughs) but they kind of like stay with you right like I feel like I was such a like voracious reader as a kid and there are plenty of times where like I would read a story like the sisterhood of the traveling pants and I'd be like oh this character did this so I'm gonna do like this yeah and it actually kind of like helps it like it brings like a different perspective and like insight into your life sometimes when you're going through things Mm -hmm. but yeah I think I'm like I'm I'm I'll be happy to finish it but I think I'll be sad to have finished it yeah so I think that's a good way to finish our episode for today Thank you, everyone, for listening. Follow us on The Digital Look on Instagram and TikTok. And let us know if you read a book and share your thoughts, whatever they might be. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Until next month. <laughs>